Bug Thief by Igloo Ghost. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's funny how little music here in the future actually reminds me of Aphex Twin from twenty years ago, which I thought it all would by now, but that one does. Anyway, Joe, um, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, uh, Joanna Newsom and uh, and uh, Adam, what's her fucking husband's name? I can't totally know it. It just escaped my head. I want to make you kind of I want to make you struggle for it cuz yeah, I think that's I'm, I'm, that's I'm just uh, going to look up that's fucking more Lonely f- Island. <laughs> Andy Samberg. His, Andy Samberg, yes. Okay. Joanna Newsom and Andy Samberg finally had their first child. Uh in 20 years will we finally get the uh harp and joke rap fusion we've all been waiting for? Harp and joke rap fusion. Yeah. Mm, that's it sounds like we don't have to wait 20 years for that. Like it it <laughs> it honestly sounds like that's going to be on the next Arcade Fire album. Like I, I just I, you know harp and rap, we could see that joke and rap already there. Yeah. And Actually, joke the roots the roots did sample Joanna Newsom once and it was excellent. So Yeah, so it's it's we're really like so close to that that I I don't think it'll take um some sort of uh you know progeny of these well yeah one one deity and one sort of like minor uh comedian yeah like <laughs> city city nymph i don't know what's the what's the male nymph you know from greek <laughs> mythology yeah exactly that's that's andy know. samberg i guess i expressed it too uh too uh crudely i what i want is like the full Joanna Newsom experience combined with the full Lonely Island experience, and could that happen? Um, but seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised she hasn't been on one of their tracks yet. Maybe she has been. I don't keep track of the Lonely <laughs> Islands like ongoing Deep output. Cuts. Yeah, I did watch that movie, uh, Pop Star. Uh, ah. that they did, and it was uh, pretty disappointing. Um, really, it, it I had, didn't see that. It had like three really good jokes. Like at one point, a, uh, some wolves maul seal, and it's like excellent. And that that is really random. But the this they really uh, they mailed it in uh, like that, so many of their songs. That's too bad. the uh, The HBO tennis uh, half movie they did a couple of years ago was funny. All oh, right, I enjoyed that one. Had you ever seen that? No, no, I did not. Um, oh, co-starring Jon Snow. Oh, there you go. That uh, that do I have a desire to see Jon Snow and anything else? Maybe not. <laughs> Paul, do, do you have a favorite Lonely Island song? Uh, I think I know perhaps three of them. I got to go with the Michael Bolton one just because yeah. Michael Bolton really tormented me in my youth. So uh, seeing him make a fool of himself on purpose does bring me some some comfort i think you know mine is it's got to be dick in the box like that's an that's actually a good song because like justin timberlake wrote it basically it is very good and and you know like a boss i also very much enjoy that one um just justin timberlake used to play dick in a box like on solo piano at his shows (laughs) justin timberlake used to actually put his dick in a box for groupies yes absolutely um paul you know i do have a comment about our opening track by uh-huh. uh, uh, Igloo Host or Igloo Host, as I like to say, <laughs> uh, Bug Thief. Do you know? Do you know what makes that track um, 
uh, particularly not stand out to me. What one feature? What? Uh, that it would be by far the best track on uh, Arcade Fire's new album, Everything Now. <laughs> uh, and it just shares that distinction with uh, so many hundreds of thousands of songs that uh, I just, uh, it, that, that's really where it failed to. You know, I mean, I think me. that would be true of almost any song we've ever talked about on this podcast, except for ones from the 1979 album and maybe a couple of the random ones we got in our uh, related artistry a couple time episodes ago. But uh, yeah, yeah, we we um, kudos to us for having such a good taste that we <laughs> have so few bad songs we've talked about on this pod. Yes, but today, today we are going to talk about some bad music. And we are. I for one bad takes bad music it's savage beast <laughs> yes yes and you don't stop cool like the best rapper you don't stop another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the style for you and your mind come on yeah you can never define anything but divine love i'm a savage beast <laughs> slightly above average at least nah preference is relative my reference is consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity I hit you with the riddles consistently Dead in the middle, a little triply Little did we know that we triggered a fissure In the metaphysical and imagery And welcome to oil. Savage Beast uh, I'm Joe Gallagher And with me as always uh, He's the wind butler to my Haiti It's Paul McLeod <laughs> I, I can't even figure out what that, what that would mean <laughs> What did wind butler do to Haiti Other than marry one of its daughters He loves Haiti um, I don't know. Well, he he's constantly trying there. to, uh, yeah. Maybe I, I didn't really think it through either because it would mean you were try- constantly trying to like impress people by showing how into me you are, which <laughs> I don't I don't think that's quite the correct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you uh, if you marry a Haitian like he did, then you're allowed to do that. I figure. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, and Haiti does need all the help it can get. R.I.P. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I've got a Haiti rant fire. in me someday. We can, we'll get to it. Oh um, man, I know so much about Haiti. Let's talk about Haiti sometime. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> See, you could actually, you could be being sarcastic, or you could actually have read like three books about. Uh, I listened Haitian to a lengthy podcast about the Haitian Revolution, so um, I have uh, that. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, we people may never hear this podcast. It's true because SoundCloud uh, is out of money, <laughs> and that's where this podcast and like eighty percent of others uh, is stored. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's um, it's a shame that the venture capitalists of Silicon Valley finally got sick of uh, financing all the beats we listen to. Um, but uh, I figure we should just enjoy it while it lasted. Um, you know, a lot of good musicians came up through SoundCloud. A lot of money was burned to no great effect because VCs just have too much money and they all want to try to become the richest man in the world or else it's not really worth it. And uh, we get to benefit from that for a while with cheap digital services. So um, I'm looking on the bright side of this one. So they said they need like another $170 million. Like what do they spend that money on? Like well, is I it- mean, the, at the scale they're at, the hardware must actually be crazy fucking expensive. Like the date, like the data storage, and yeah, I mean, they have they must have worse data storage than almost anyone because, uh, you know, they take all these like two hour long audio files for podcasts. Um, That's that true. Even Spotify doesn't have to deal with that. Um, too much anyway. And then they've got all this storage and then, you know, they obviously have, they charge us and other uh, people who post a lot for stuff, but there aren't, can't be that many people posting. And um, then they have their uh, listening bandwidth and everything. And of course they have a subscription service for that, but they don't have nearly enough music or brand uh or brand about it to probably have more than a handful of people doing that. I certainly don't know anybody who pays SoundCloud for the privilege of listening to music. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I mean, why like, uh, well, it's, it should be, 
it should work, I guess, is yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, there should be a way to have a service that will host your sound file and allow other people to listen to it um, without needing insane infusions of cash. But maybe that's like saying, oh, well, there should be a record store where everyone can go and take every record for free. <laughs> and it's like constantly <laughs> replenished. So, yeah, maybe, I yeah. think... I think we have a skewed idea of how much it costs to run a major uh, tech venture, yeah. consumer facing, because the business model is just like it has to be free. You can't charge people money for it. Um, yeah, when you and when you have like even if you have like twenty employees, that's like if they're making you know startup money, they are you know yeah. that's at least like probably three million dollars a year. You know, yep. um, so. It, just in salary and then you've got yeah. overhead and everything you're paying yeah. silicon valley real estate and then you've got all this computing stuff and i i think what it is is really like most of these like uber has never made money right um and is actually very far from it at least in terms of absolute dollars lost um i, I this is becoming a tech podcast but yeah um my, just very briefly i i think what it is is that Silicon Valley venture capitalism is just a huge dick measuring contest where everybody with the money to offer like has plenty of money. They could never run out of money. Um, so the only reason they're investing in things is a to become not merely filthy rich, but like ungodly Mark Zuckerberg, one of the richest people in the world rich, um, because then you can actually start to wield power. Or it's just a scoreboard right. thing, and they have to um, they have to show how cool they are by having the best things. So, actually making money, they don't mind if they lose like almost all their bets because they just want to hit that one that makes them the biggest dude in the world. Um, and the result is that we have services like SoundCloud and Uber that run for a while before eventually people just get sick of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that is the interesting future for people who like SoundCloud is that the way this works is that what comes next won't be that similar to SoundCloud because the VCs will need a new shiny yeah. coat of paint on it. They'll need a new feature, a new quote unquote idea, you know, yeah. or a new, uh, you know, they'll need to disrupt something, which really means just, trying to find ways to uh, do something without paying the <laughs> without paying the people who are doing it. Um, and yeah, evidence has shown that, you know, things like Groove Shark and Mux Tape and other services who maybe res um, resembled SoundCloud in some ways, just they they never reemerged in the same form. Um, yeah. And uh, no, and that's true of a lot of things. I mean, think of uh, MySpace, Napster, all these sort of failed brands uh, that were left with just the memory of their brand, m now much tainted by the fact that everybody knows they failed and tried to retool into other things just to take advantage of the residual goodwill out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But there, yeah, there's, I mean, like, I guess that is going to be kind of sad if there's not this just soundcloud replacement um out there for I mean, us to listen to our free rap yeah. music on there has to be something i mean maybe if you just made a pure podcast hosting service which must exist um and you weren't trying to also let uh people listen to beats for free all the time and you just charged a market price for yeah. cloud storage and transmission i mean you know Amazon Web Services and the Google Cloud, I, I'm pretty sure they are priced to actually make money on their own operations. Um, so right. this can exist. You just need to like put a user-friendly audio interface on top of that, and you pretty much have a replacement. Um, uh, I will say I do like the SoundCloud interface, when they, except for the part where they uh, auto-play shitty songs that I don't Ugh. want to listen to after I'm done listening to the songs I do want to listen to. Um, yeah, other than that, always, the interface it's always, is good. It's, it's always like a literal SoundCloud rapper that comes up after it is, exactly. To. It is literally a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, we'll find another way. I mean, the bummer is that um, I guess if people subscribe through iTunes, we can just redirect the iTunes. Feed? So the problem, I don't know what we happens. won't we won't get into this. We can yeah. we can, but like the problem is SoundCloud is like places like iTunes don't host the podcast. They just pick up right. the RSS feed from SoundCloud. So yeah, we can we can redirect that, but it's going to be a pain in the ass. And yeah. um, you know, and it who might knows what'll cost... happen to people on other on Android platforms? I haven't even right. thought about that. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, also, SoundCloud. will we get refunded for the year of uh, hosting we paid for? I'm gonna guess no. Yeah, I think we're probably in line with a lot of other creditors on that one. I'm I'm sure that was in the terms of service that I did not read as I yeah. put our PayPal money through. Yeah, well, we'll get money before the VCs at least, but there are probably other. Uh, 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 banks loaning to them before us. Who knows? Yes. Um, uh, so SoundCloud, RIP. Paul, did you have anything in particular that you discovered on SoundCloud or that you listened to on SoundCloud that you will miss? That's a great question. There are plenty of things I've listened to on SoundCloud, like uh, Joey Perp's album last year was yes. only on SoundCloud for that a long comes time. To, that comes to mind. He clearly had a one-year SoundCloud exclusive because it just became available a few months ago uh, elsewhere. Um uh, for purchase, anyway. Um, I can't think of too many people I discovered by going through SoundCloud looking. Yeah. Um, sometimes those, uh, uh, you know, um, superfluous jackasses played after the music I wanted to listen to were decent, but I can't think of any that I actually latched onto from that. So, um, you know, it's a good hosting service, not that useful a... Uh, a platform as such you know what i mean it's true yeah i mean i actually think i liked it because a lot of record companies that maybe put out music that uh would be hard to discover elsewhere like you could go to their pages yeah. on soundcloud um and and kind of sort through it it did you know when you went to um the account of one of those places you'd find something yeah uh pretty interesting sometimes no that makes total sense i have seen those uh record company count pages and i have to say i very rarely actually played through them um to my own discredit that's probably a, a great way to learn about new stuff yeah but um yeah uh like you said r.i.p soundcloud even though they're still kind of alive um <laughs> yes for now um so we'll see long live napster <laughs> All right, Joe. Um, next, we're actually going to play some audio via SoundCloud into this audio that we're recording so that we can then replay it on SoundCloud again for like two days. Um, okay. What that thing is going to be, I guess I should introduce it, is uh, a clip from, the from not the latest, but uh, one week ago's uh, Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, Bill Simmons is a guy whose uh, podcasting work I enjoy is entertainment. Um, <laughs> might as well just say it if you're a faithful listener of the Savage Beast podcast you uh, a few episodes ago got an accidentally not deleted uh, conversation of Joe and I bitching about Bill Simmons um, in an episode uh, yes <laughs> for the most part I actually do enjoy Bill Simmons uh, he's brought a lot of entertainment to my life um, Anyway, uh, so he had a podcast a week ago with a guy named Jason Stein, whom I had never heard of. He's a basically he's a founder of a company that was first a video production company and then became a digital marketing agency, which Joe and I both worked for digital marketing agencies. Um, God and help us all. Yeah, uh, apparently his is one of the best digital marketing agencies, which I have no doubt they do great work. But uh, he, in the course of their conversation, um, started talking about uh, uh, artists and their brands a little bit. And uh, uh, I just had to discuss uh, one bit of it. So I brought it up to Joe. And we'll play that segment for you now. And then we'll, we'll be back. Saying, like, I get why, as a marketing strategy, that's smart. And it's the same thing that like a lot of rappers do today, like Lil Yachty. Do you know Lil Yachty? Yeah. Lil We've Yachty. heard about him a couple times on The Ringer. Yeah, I love, so like I love Lil Yachty, like music aside, just because 
he's built an amazing brand where he's just refuses to be negative and he's always positive and he's always trying to like be inspirational or, or aspirational. And that's why he has a deal with Sprite and Nautica because he's just positive, like the modern biz marquee. And it's just right. a branding thing. But there's a lot of guys who hate him. He goes on Complex and Joe Budden wants to literally fight him during the, the episode. All right, that was uh, Joel Stein talking about Lil Yachty. Um, I have to say that uh, I, I want to say for the record that, you know, Bill Simmons says something that makes me mad. Probably like, eh, maybe like three times a podcast. That's just kind of where he, like, it's kind yeah. of like his record. Uh, so it's uh, it's delightful to be able to vent, find something we could vent about on our podcast. <laughs> That's true. Um, sorry, I had to take a drink. Anyway, um, I just, uh, I, f- I, probably most people listening to this would agree with me, but the idea that it is admirable and to be praised for an artist to, uh, to be most a musical art, any artist, but a musical artist among them to, uh, orient himself towards building an unobjectionable brand so that he can, um, tell people to drink fucking fizzy sugar water is like the most horrifying thing to me apart from actual violence that I can think of. It's, it really pisses me off that that is considered something (laughs) even to praise as, as he says, aside from the music, like I don't, I don't like Lil Yachty's music. I don't care about them, but, but that this would be like, well, you know, his, uh, his brand, God, Jesus. mm, It's just such a, such an inoffensive brand. I love it. Ugh! if you start feeling like that, um, just stop thinking because you're not doing a very good job about it, I guess is my opinion. Um, I just, I think it represents a way of speaking about these things that marketers do where they pretend that there's just some magic quality behind the thing that was successfully marketed or it's one little trick mm-hmm. when really it's sort of a combination of the fact that Lil Yachty is just, you know, a popular rapper who rap, who, you know, he performs in a way that people like he's, mm-hmm. he's good. And I wouldn't th- go that far, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, he's good. <laughs> he's to, good. He's good to them, yes. I yes, agree. he's good to them. And that they're maybe traditional, maybe like thoughtful, uh, out-of-the-box marketing campaigns for him, you know, worked. Like whatever, yeah. you know. But it's there's n- this idea that like, I don't know. I mean, you could tell like Chance. Obviously, people love Chance because he's so positive. Yeah. But to say that And Lil Yachty is honestly like the like the um even less offensive version of Chance. I listened to his yeah. music today and it's that's pretty much what he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean just to express Chance express his personality as a content strategy is mm-hmm. dumb. And there's no <laughs> way that the people anyone who, you know, works with content strategy actually thinks that you know yeah. i mean that's that's not um the like his voice is what the content strategy is based on but like it's not the fact that someone is awesome that is like yeah. the strategy it's so uh it's so fucking like cynical about your audience's like ideas of of how they are being marketed to to portray it that way well see i don't i don't totally doubt that um cynical marketing ploys work sometimes if pulled off especially effectively right Um, i'm saying this is not this is not this is very um disingenuous about the the depth of the cynicism i see you're saying lil yachty is just being himself and after the fact you can come in and say oh what a nice brand yeah really it's just lil yachty being lil yachty yes and there's a lot more um kind of foul marketing going on behind that to make him uh, a star even though his music's not that good (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair enough. Also, his Instagram isn't that good. I looked it up, you know, because he Joel Stein mentions it specifically. And actually, if you look at Lil Yachty's Wikipedia page, they're like, during this phase, Lil Yachty was building up his Instagram. Um, like you know who like has he's fucking going to like y- you know studying ancient Babylonian manuscripts or something. He's he's just posting. Anyway, you know what you know has a fucking awesome Instagram is Anderson Pack. I will totally look that up it's because gi- Pack is awesome. It's like these giant murals of him. It's it that take up like twelve posts. <laughs> That's cool. It's no, unreal. So, <laughs> Lil Here- Yachty's Instagram has no high concept shit like that. It's it's him uh, stretching his mouth in weird ways to show off his grill, uh, or it's him standing in front of a car, or it's him standing next to somebody more famous than him. Uh, yeah. just sort of looking awkward. It's really, if this is, if this is what brings uh, success with the youth of today, then um, like many old men before me, I have to condemn the youth of today. See, this is what we would call a good grid in that the, <laughs> uh, you know, palette and composition of the shots are frequently um, similar and they fit ah. well together as you scroll down. Oh, really? See, that's yeah. interesting. You are into social media, and I am not in our professional lives. So it's not perfect. Uh, I defer to you there. Yeah, it's I, pretty good. I'm just saying, like, as a person looking for compelling content, when I go to this Instagram feed, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of pictures of Lil Yachty. I guess. Um, okay, Lil Yachty. <laughs> anyway, to in some in summary. Um, uh, if somebody is ostensibly an artist, but actually they're a brand, they should not be praised for that. Is my point. Well, uh, that's that is a great way to put it. <laughs> um, okay, so Joe, let's get to our main topic, which is the fact that um, you were right all along, or at least yes. you were future right all along. Yes, at last, um, we are going to talk about Arcade Fire's everything now. Infinite Content, uh, the Arcade Fire song about Lil Yachty on their new album, <laughs> Everything Now. Um, just to be clear, that is infinite underscore content, not infinite space content. Those are two different tracks. That come right after one another. Because that play on words was so good, we needed two tracks and two whole different treatments of it. Uh, Paul, at last, at last... Uh, they've been revealed, uh, <laughs> dollar store radio head, it's a, a rip off of Tame Impala before Tame Impala even existed. Uh, this band, uh, that has been revealed as inelegant and milk toast outfit that they are mm-hmm. uh, masters of disguise who I think we now see have no form beneath. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think they, they formed uh, from having the genes spliced together of several good bands. Uh, and now at last uh, they're, you know, the different organs are rejecting one another and their faces are kind of melting off. And, you know, when the rain hits them, they have to take shelter or else the, the, the wires and bones will be exposed. Um, uh, yeah. For, and for 10 
for a decade plus, uh, I have said that the arcade fire are not nearly as good as people think they are. And mm-hmm. finally, someone will agree with me for at least one album. Oh, I finally, literally everybody will agree with you for at least one album. Huh. Uh, I have not seen, I mean that literally, uh, not quite, but I have not seen anybody yet uh, take up the obvious counter take that actually this is good. Um, it's so bad that nobody is even trying as far as I can tell. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there because people care about arcade fire takes. And so if you want to, if you want to be the guy to say that this one is good, there, there are clicks awaiting you. Um, and yet nobody has done it. Yeah. I mean, even pitchfork gave it a 5.6, which is. Yeah. Insane. Anything below six is like, Oh my God, this album is terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I can't. I mean, and the the fact that like whenever an arcade fire out song comes out, like or album comes out, it's always in the reader, like top three for that mm-hmm. year. And I mean, I know that Pitchfork like really doesn't want to give Radiohead like nine point fives all the time, but like they they haven't like dared oppose that crowd, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. think th- in this way, they're just, just for them to just say, no, this is bad. No, we can't, <laughs> even though most of the people who buy the stuff advertised on our site, um, <laughs> love arcade fire. We can't say it's good. Yeah. It's, it's too shitty. Um, yeah. it's, uh, uh so <laughs> what's interesting to me as somebody who likes the arcade fire and has liked them. Um, this made me question myself, uh, so just like, I guess let's let's describe first what's wrong with this album. From my perspective, they just like lost the ability to write or tell uh, what is a good melody um, or chord progression or anything, and th- the result is these really bland, boring songs that do not sound like they even tried very hard. Uh, which is pretty bad, considering that the whole ethos of the Arcade Fire is we are the sincere, emotionally uh, in touch um, people who look out at the rest of society and see all the fakeness and the bullshit, and we we make great art out of talking about the pathos of living in that kind of a world. I mean, that's like that's like from the very first lyric of their first song, almost like their theme. And here they are, more jaded, more uh, uh, resting on their laurels, less in emotionally engaging than uh, almost any music I've listened to this year. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and and I think that I wanted to honestly, I was I wanted to give them some benefit of the doubt here because I actually thought that by them taking this what I thought might be like a little less pretentious, more poppy approach. (laughs) They would maybe embrace the things that I think they kind of pretend they're not. Um, and just obviously be that, uh, you know, current version of a stadium rock band, Uh um, that I think they, uh, that I think is the backbone of most of their music. Um, generic not very good stadium rock in my opinion but others disagree (laughs) um and instead you said it it's it's completely thin and Mm -hmm. devoid of life um uh well there's the there's the song uh signs of life which show (laughs) little to none um and i like the lyrics from it uh yeah those those cool kids stuck in the past apartments of cigarette ash wait outside until it begins won't be the first ones end yeah like looking for signs of life looking for signs every night but there's no signs of life so we do it again it's just now yeah i know lyrics sound bad when you read them but there's actually i feel like they make bad lyrics worse somehow on this (laughs) album I mean, I will say, like, I don't think the suburbs has miles better lyrics than this. Um, there, when uh, when Butler has never been the best lyricist, if you ask me. Although, yeah. uh, I, the first album, oh, 
well, in straining for poetry, I think he got some places. But let, let me can I can I yeah. I, I gotta say I it was that was the wrong song whose lyrics I wanted to make fun of. It was creature okay. c- creature comfort. Here's the opening of creature comfort. Some boys hate themselves, spend their lives resenting their fathers. Some girls hate their bodies, stand in the mirror and wait for the feedback. <sighs> Oh, no. Uh, go on to the pre-chorus. It's just as good, Joe. Saying God, <laughs> make me famous. If you can't, just make it painless. Just make it painless. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, wow. And then I just read verse two. I didn't catch this listening to it. Assisted suicide. She dreams about dying all the time. She told me she came so close. Filled up the bathtub and put on our first record. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, even if that's a true story, which it probably is, uh, don't, don't tell that. That's pretty fucking pretentious, dude. I mean, (laughs) most band, most bands, their, their, oh, look how famous we are album is pretty bad, but Arcade's Fire is particularly grating. Oh God, that's really bad. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you've got the things you're talking about and then you have like, like the title track, everything now is just like. You start listening to it, and you want to sort of give it the benefit, the benefit of the doubt, and then you're like, actually, this is just like Dancing Queen, but for goths who don't like to dance, and um, it goes nowhere from there. It's it's lifeless. really pathetic. Yes, it's totally lifeless. Um, one song that does have a little bit of life, um, or maybe unlife, is uh, uh, at least it moves uh, just very poorly. Is chemistry, and Joe, I think that people have to hear some of chemistry let's so, let's play it let's sorry it sorry people <laughs> yeah i here here just like take your headphones off your head for a minute and then put them back on and assume you heard something really bad that would probably be better for you than what we're about <laughs> to do to you Amid this sea of like boring, lifeless music, this one every time it came on on my listens in preparation for this, just jumped out at me as like, just holy shit! Why, why is this song so bad? And that's pretty rare because I mean the things I try to explore on a daily basis are either, um, you know, made by people who whose hearts are in the right place, um, even if their skills aren't always. Um, or people who are doing something that I'm just totally not interested in. Like if I'm, if I'm going through my new tracks of the day and I hit somebody's death metal song, I'll listen for 30 seconds just to give it a chance. And I'm always like, well, this is totally not for me, but it's not like I just listen to it. And I'm like, dear God, like how, how did anybody even think this was a good idea? That even just now, when I turned it on, knowing fully what was about to happen to me, I was just like, I... I can't understand how a band who once understood how to make music I like ever thought that this song was a good idea. Yeah, that's that's kind of the eternal question. How does a, a good band uh, end up making a, a honky-tonk rape song uh, like <laughs> Chemistry? Um, here again, besides the, the, the troubling 
aspect that the song just blows. Um, <laughs> in in verse five, he sings, "Well, you've got one choice, maybe two. You could leave with me, or I'll go with you." And given the carnival evil clown uh, sound of this track, it it mm-hmm. was really disturbing to me when I heard <laughs> that. That is actually pretty creepy. Um, I uh, mean, he's been known to inhabit the voice of a creep before, like on or a, you know a bad guy on purpose. So maybe we could give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, uh, the lyrics are so bad. Maybe we shouldn't try to do too much to save them. Yeah, he he kind of failed no matter what. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's just. Yeah, it's that it's that that feeling that they wanted to to parody something and find the meaning of it, you know, sort of have a revelation as they explored, you know, content culture and made up a fake, you know, website full of dumb content as part it, of the promotion. And wait, and, did that happen? I oh, didn't yeah. Even know about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and that. You know, and and they've they've pulled off some successful uh, things like that in the past. You know, I think their Google Maps music video where it like showed your like home in like the Google Maps because like you you had a street view as they played their song like that that was cool. I mean, and this just this was something that people understood how much Buzzfeed sucked like three years ago, and a whole album that is supposed to fit in with you know, clickbait culture and the, you know, candy coated excess of nothing is just not deep or meaningful. And you can, I I don't know. Especially because they've been doing this for at least three albums, if not five now, like this is not even new ground for them. Um, They've, Wynn Butler has basically been an old man bitching about how the kids, um, uh, are shitty for a long time and look i'm no fan of the kids but win <laughs> butler does not really um improve my uh, it, uh uh make me feel good about that opinion it's it's mostly just seems like an old guy bitching uh so this album is terrible everybody knows that we've yes. discussed it do you have any final thoughts on that before i move on to a, a tangent about how um about the arcade fire? No, I mean, I get, I think my, well, by no, I mean, yes. Uh, I do have, uh, yes. <laughs> I, my, well, my final thought is we talked about that in our podcast, like why good bands go bad. Like why mm-hmm. does a band who I will admit um, objectively uh, is good, like the arcade fire, like how do they go to the point where they like releasing this and thinking that it's yeah. good. And uh, I just, I, still can't quite find or I can't convince myself you know even though my sort of stated reason is that you know every every band eventually kind of hits the end of their uh, artistic peak and kind of runs out of the ideas that seem to repel music more than any art you know that sort of limited well of genius that that seems to propel most musicians but I still want there to be like a musician like this to be like them to be smart enough to avoid that. It's kind of depressing. It is. Um, it, because it does feel so, so just lazy, this album. Yeah. Um, and, and in particular it feels lazy because it's like a shittier version of their last album. Like if they were doing something totally new, that would be one thing, but they already did the disco transition four years ago, and uh, to be honest, I didn't particular. I didn't hate it, but I didn't particularly think it was that great. I um, had not listened to that to Reflector, the previous album, at all since it came out, um, because I just was never compelled to do so. Um, even though I still listen to the first three albums uh, every once in a while. Um, and so that album got good reviews, and I honestly think a lot of it was just uh, the goodwill they had built up. Uh, people were unwilling to give it up, give it up already, or you know, so quickly, including me. Like I didn't 
go out and denounce Reflector, but I just never listened to it. And so then now here they are uh, four years later and they're like, you know, it's one thing to be out of ideas, um, but just the fact that they would both claim to be, you know, significant artists and find themselves out of ideas and decide, well, we'll just try to do another limp rendition of what we did last time is pretty damning. Um, yeah. It would be better to break up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, that they, they, you know, are representatives of kind of the best art of you know, our generations, uh, our generation. And instead of coming out and continuing that, they basically, uh, to use a good word from the Pitchfork review, uh, just scold us for being, yeah. you know, on our phones all the time. Exactly. And Which, again, they've been doing for three albums at least. It's yeah. not even interesting. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, so it did make me doubt. Like, I went back and I was like, okay, were the Arcade Fire actually good? Because I've got you, my good friend, trusted uh, co-podcaster, uh, in my ear all the time that they're not actually that good. <laughs> and then I've got this album that sort of betrays everything they ever stood for. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, well, but it does, I'm not saying it negates what they stood for, but it betrays it in this instance. Yeah. Um, so I had to go back and I, and listen to their, to their previous albums. Reflector. I, uh, I, because of the similarities, I started there and um, while there's no earthly reason for it to be 75 minutes long, it is better than this, um, if still not great. Um, but the first three albums, like when I go back and I listen to my favorite songs from those albums, like I still think they're really good. Um, yeah. They are not the stadium rock tracks that you bitch about not being as good as you think. And they do, <laughs> I would argue, uh, bring the full depth of emotion you complained about not finding uh, to those so uh, it really isn't that we were just fooled all the time, all the whole time. I will not go that far. Um, they, I will. <laughs> <laughs> they were not a Radiohead level band. They, uh, after the first album, I thought they might become one of my favorite bands someday. But then, Neon Bible was not my favorite album ever. I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't love it um, completely apart from a few tracks. Uh, so they never ascended to that level where they were one of my all-time favorite bands. But I did expect them to consistently put out good music, especially after The Suburbs was quite good, in my opinion. Um, and uh, here we are, though. Um, I hope if you're like... Uh, so, I mean, in 2004, the first album came out. So what's the youngest you could be where that album meant a lot to you? Like, you could be like 27 or 28 now. Um, yeah, you could you could have been like, yeah, you could have been 14, 13, 14 yeah. when that came out. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. if if you right now are feeling disappointed because your favorite band uh, finally made a really shitty album, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It happens. The Smashing Pumpkins uh, released um, uh, <laughs> Zeitgeist. Um, yeah. Granted, they had broken up and lost most of their members, so it was kind of expected that it would suck. But um, it does happen unless your favorite band is Radiohead, in which case um, you sh you're you're just really lucky, I guess. Um, but here we are. Oh well. Yeah. Never never out of the woods until Radiohead breaks up, though. Yeah. But I guess I guess my my message yeah my message for the 27 year olds is you're not wrong to have liked Arcade Fire all this time. It's okay. Um, yes. They just, like most old bands, uh, eventually became shitty. Um, yes. And that's just something we all have to deal with. And and But you will always have to deal with what you termed as the betrayal that this yeah. band kind of, you know, after supporting them for so long that they kind of turned on those principles. And I think that's what the Smashing Pumpkins, when I think about, like, you know, it's called SP2, like, you know, Zeitgeist and Beyond and all of that being, you know, such a blatant play to return to the radio and, like, arenas yeah. that failed anyway. It's like, this This isn't <laughs> so, the... Such a blatant and completely ill-constructed play yeah. to return to radio and arenas. This isn't the art, the art that I supported at any point. Uh, no. And, and like I said in that podcast where we talked about the the shelf life of good bands like 
The good news is, once you get over the shock, you can just pretend it never happened. You can just listen to the good albums, and you don't have to listen to the bad ones. Yes. That's okay. Yes. Um, because, you know, we never posted our podcast about why I thought the Arcade Fire was so bad. It's our fabled lost podcast. Oh, was it? I didn't even yeah. know that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think that uh, I always come back to their song, Wake Up, mm-hmm. uh, which has the... Probably Which is not most, on my favorites list, by the way. Right, it's probably their most famous song, and yeah. it certainly has that rousing chorus at the beat, like first two thirds, and then like the last third is this sort of jangly radio pop, like boring pap, and that <laughs> is to me that's the heart of the Arcade Fire, um, and why I never connected with them is because I always feel like that's their true selves. Like I, I always mm. hear this song that's meant to be on mix 105.1 uh behind the uh earnest rock um but <laughs> you know and, and i've i've i think now that they've put out a bad album i i've also like uh come to peace with them i no longer <laughs> am worried that people are gonna think they're as good as radiohead which i care <laughs> about even though that's really really dumb to care about um <laughs> Yeah, it's a big relief. Joe, as we discussed, uh, fucking 21 pilots have twice the Spotify followers of Radiohead. We already live in the hell world, and there's nothing we can yes, do about it. totally. Uh, um, I would, it, if I say, if I say uh, the opening track from The Suburbs, whose name of, I of course don't know. Isn't it called um, The Suburb? No. No, it's not. That's the closing track. It's called The Suburbs, which is also excellent. No, it's but called The say, Suburbs. Is it? And it's The Suburbs and then Ready to Start. Maybe you're thinking of Ready to Start. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> God damn you. Hold is on. it kind of like the Shuffley song? It is called The Suburbs. Wow, what the fuck is wrong with me? Oh, I guess because Sprawl 1 and Sprawl 2 are also about the suburbs, and are yeah. so clearly on theme. I think of them as being called the suburbs. I never look at song names. It's my problem. Anyway, the title slash opening track to the suburbs, like that. I was thinking today is probably my favorite Arcade Fire song. Do you right. like? Can you call that one up in your head on command? Do you know what it sounds like? Yes, I'm actually listening to it in the background right now to remind myself. Okay. Yeah. Like, so I'm saying, like, do you think that song too is overrated? No, I mean, I think that song is more. Uh, aligned with a band like the Decemberists. I mean, to me, that reminds ah. me of the Decemberists, who I, you know, other than their first album, don't really like that much. Interesting. I like the Decemberists better than you too. Then that's uh, even though I'm not, I sort of let them fall away from me as well. Um, okay. Well, I yeah. think we've adjudicated the Arcade Fire's place in history well enough. Yes. Yes, always, always ready to talk about them again, but uh, we'll probably cover the same points. Um, yeah. What, what bands do you, like, would you associate closely with them? With the Arcade Fire? Yeah, that sort of, like, fit the same mold. I mean, so the Radiohead comparison makes sense just in insofar as, like, like anguished sincerity is the theme with yeah. both of them, you know, and, and disaffection from the modern world. And... Um, you know, not like, not so much, uh, though there is some anger, it's not so much angry, it's not so much straining for, uh, for like, sort of like beauty, beauty, like, you know, just like, like actual feel good beauty. Um, it's about, both of them are really about just like looking at the world saying this is fucked up and trying to wring some sort of, uh, beautiful pathos out of that. Um, so that makes sense. I guess I would say musically I would put them in as sort of like a slightly more rock focused version of orchestral pop bands or orchestral yeah. rock bands. Um, certainly that's how they started out. Uh, they sort of got, they sort of then applied a lot of like, just sort of like uh, driving I always wanted to say Bruce Springsteen, but I actually don't know Bruce Springsteen that well. Uh, but just sort of like they combined that orchestral pop with sort of uh, straight ahead white man, um, you know, beat heavy, but not so much riff heavy um, rock music. And that's what they did. And 
I don't know. There aren't a whole lot of bands I frequently listen to that sound much like the Arcade Fire. Is yeah. I guess why I'm struggling with this question. Yeah, Th- those they may be I mean, out there. I just don't know them. Bruce Bruce is definitely the one that comes to mind for me. And even though I like Bruce a lot more than the Arcade Fire, um, mm-hmm. I think because he. Uh, he, he kind of got what they were going for, um, where there is that ultimate level of sincerity uh, mm. to the big, grandiose rock structure, and then these um, really like heartfelt songs behind that. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, and then of course I think they're contemporaries. I mean, I think you know it turned out in my mind that a band like TV on the radio probably like to oh. be better than them. Um, I never would have gone there, but I, I don't know. I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. the flaming lips, even though they're not exactly contemporaries, uh, were doing kind of the same thing at the same time. Like Yoshimi battles, the pink robots or, uh, yes, the album before it are definitely both doing that sort of like, um, pretty over the top bombastic, emotionally trying to get at you, uh, type of rock at the same time. Yes, it's. I think the Flaming Lips could be that band that maybe most closely, yeah, did something that sounded like the Arcade Fire, um, at course. least for a while. Of course, in my case, I didn't like that period of the Flaming Lips so much, and really like the period after that when they started becoming more like just dark and and angry. Um, uh, the Arcade Fire should consider that just become experimental punks instead of. Um, uh, bad ABBA uh, would be my recommendation. We should do we should do a Flaming Lips podcast. Oh, absolutely! I need I to. I, for that. I, I, it's a big blind spot for me. I don't know late period Flaming Lips. Ah, see, that's my favorite Flaming Lips. I don't know early Flaming Lips that much, and I think I would also like them. So um, you're talking about like, uh, like 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 pre MTV, like before? Uh, no, no, like don't use jelly. Like your what song? Oh. What albums do you like? Oh, after At War with the Mystics, um, starting with uh, you know, don't make me name things. Christmas on Mars, no. Embryonic. Yes, Embryonic is where I start to really like them again. There we go. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because um, it really does get a lot more grim and weird. Um, <laughs> well, they do have an album called The Terror, so. Yes, the, um, so really it's just two albums, The Embryonic and The Terror, and I also really like The Terror. The Terror is a weird album um, that I personally dig. But, excellent. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to get your take. Um, I'm glad we discussed uh, our future podcast live on air for our <laughs> current podcast. Uh, Absolutely, uh, man. Shout out to podcast listener TJ, who's catching up to, to listening to all our po- pods. Mm-hmm. A one-time guest. <laughs> time guess i i want like a really pithy anime reference that only he would get right off he, right here but it's already ruined because i couldn't think of it and had to just make that joke instead. all the all my anime references that just left my brain like there yeah. was just a, a cutoff point where um <laughs> it wasn't just it's not like they faded it's like that those train cars were kind of like left off and like went off their own way you just decoupled that that part of your life and left yes, it behind. Yes, yes, I I get it. Um, there's no shame in that. Um, sometimes yeah. you just have to say, "I don't have time for every single kind of art there is." It's it's in the past, and the past uh, doesn't exist. Neither does mm-hmm. the future. Yeah, there's only a, an immediate uh, three seconds or so of actual reality. Well, I would say it's even infinitesimally small slices of reality we get to experience at a time. Um, anyway, uh, Zeno's paradox aside. Uh, <laughs> that's why music is good. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, uh, everybody, uh, thank you for listening to us talk about bad music, which we like to do occasionally just to mix it up a little bit. Um, if you do want to uh, hook up with us, uh, we are available on Twitter at Savage Beast Pod. Gmail uh, or email, I guess, uh, savagespod at gmail.com. Savagespod.com is our website. Uh, we, of course, encourage you to rate and review us on iTunes, where most uh, right thinking people besides me get their podcasts. And, um, uh, you know, uh, check us out on SoundCloud for the next three days before SoundCloud goes tits up. Word. Um, and, uh, you know, 
we look forward to your uh, own review of everything now. Send us your most pit, most pithy yeah. quote about it on Twitter. I will I will send money. I'm not saying how much, but it will be enough to buy something to some anybody who if if enough if somebody if at least one person sends me a really great drag of everything now um i will send money to the person who sends me the best one but i make no promises if i don't get any good ones i'll send i'll keep my money to myself i like it that's an offer that <laughs> i absolutely could refuse <laughs> exactly <laughs> joe good night and good it's night. been real yes it has